0: It was Viktor Frankl who wrote, Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Right now, we're all collectively in that space between. And the question for each of us is, how will I respond? That's a hard question to answer because nothing about right now feels normal No. This is Beyond Normal. Beyond Normal explores what it takes to cultivate and maintain our well-being in this time of national and global crisis. My name is Tom Godfrey. My team and I are going to bring you conversations with thought leaders across different facets of health and well-being so we can all better understand and teach others what it takes to be well in today's world. As the head of instructional strategy for the Big No, I work with a variety of health experts to teach people how to improve their health and well being. And what we do is built upon a pretty basic belief that well being isn't something you just have or don't have. It's actually a set of skills that you can learn. But learning is really hard when we're stressed. And my God, are we stressed right now? We're beyond stressed. And that stress is creating feelings we may not recognize and driving behaviors we're not that proud of. But what if we can find that place between stimulus and response Frankel wrote about? What if, instead of following that stress to whatever dark places it can take us, we found ways to step outside it or move more easily within it? I truly believe we each have within us the capacity to do this. We just need to learn how. That's what my guest today has been helping people do for many years. Dr. Elijah Goldstein is the founder of the Mindful Living Collective, the world's central online mindful space to find the teaching, practices, and techniques to uplevel your mind, your life, and even your business. He's also the co-founder of the Center for Mindful Living in Los Angeles and the creator of the six-month online coaching program, A Course in Mindful Living. His books include Uncovering Happiness and The Now Effect, a mindfulness-based stress reduction workbook, and MBSR Every Day. In an increasingly fragmented society, he is working to bring people together so they may motivate and inspire one another in far-reaching ways, and he is absolutely the person we all need to hear from in this moment right now. Elijah Goldstein, thanks for
1: joining me today. Oh, it's great to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me.
0: You know, I recently read your book, Uncovering Happiness, and in it you talk about the depression loop i think we could sub out the word depression for anxiety or maybe just stress in general you tell me you're the expert here but uh, can you describe this loop and how does this pandemic you know what's the risk that it's going to thrust all of us into that loop
1: (laughs) yeah um you know and and it can be called any of those things stress loop anxious loop depression loop and the reason is because at the at the As a psychologist, you know, having studied this and worked with people for the last couple decades, um, and also in my own life, knowing that at the foundation of any of our moments or periods of time where we're feeling kind of imbalanced, whether that's with anxiety or depression or or trauma, um, at the foundation of it is stress. And so here we are right now um, with external stressors and internal stressors. And so this loop, just so everyone knows what it is, is at any given moment, we have three things happening. We have thoughts, our, our, our moment where our brain kind of interprets something as good or bad or right or wrong or fair or unfair or safe or unsafe, or, um, and then we have emotions, an emotional reaction, which is an energy and motion in our body, and then we have, we have our sensations that are there, um, which we will experience in different ways depending on which emotion is there, um, and then from that, we make decisions that lead to behaviors. So the, the, the loop is really four things. So we have three things going on, thoughts, emotions, sensations, but the loop also includes our behaviors, which typically reinforces our thoughts, emotions, and sensations. So as an example of this, um, you know, we might uh, wake up in the morning and there may be, the first thing we might do, because a lot of us are primed to this, is like what's happening in the world today? You know, what's the, new, you know, what, where where am I gonna start the day from now? Like what, what's the new news, right? Yeah, so with CNN or whatever your news station is, and they you tune into that and, um, and then you get a, a shocking headline. Like for example, one of the headlines that came out recently was, I guess a resident in a hospital in New York said, um, it feels apocalyptic. And so all of a sudden that word apocalyptic became every headline, apocalyptic. So if you woke up and the first thing you saw was apocalyptic, you know your nervous system's gonna react to that because apocalyptic is a very threatening type of you know, experience and so all of a sudden you might notice your, what you won't notice is that your brain's going to say unsafe will be the first thing that the interpretation it'll make. Your body will go might go into a fight, flight, freeze response, which means like the emotion might that might come up with is fear or anxiety, and then the sensations might be blood rushing to your muscles or your heart racing or shortness of breath, um, and then you have those things going on. So what you choose to do, the behavior is either to continue to read further into more news things that are gonna verify this or whatever, maybe you look at a stock market next, or maybe you look at you know, whatever you do, and you'll continue to stay stuck to that. Or you might just start getting a little frantic, or you might start, to, you might start stress eating, or you might, start, you, know, you might start going into behaviors that are attempting to soothe you, um, but are reactive. Or, or if you've practiced this for a while, maybe you say like, whoa, man, you know, what do I need? right now is to take a step away from this news and take care of myself. But you might go into one of those behaviors.
0: Yeah, I know. I know I have stress-eated while watching the news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, you could do it all. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a multitasker. Um <laughs> you know that quote from Viktor Frankl that I read off the top? I actually learned that from you. You shared it with me. I'm wondering if you can just talk to me about that, that concept, that space between stimulus and response that Frankl was referencing.
1: Yeah, this is a quote that's been attributed to him, and um, he was a, neurolog- a neurologist, a Holocaust survivor, and, um, you know, so he had his own really incredibly challenging times that he went through, and um, so he, he has this quote that's been attributed to him That's that was, again, I'll just say it again so I can explain it, between stimulus and response, there's a space, in that space lies our power to choose our response, and our response lies our growth and our freedom. So in, the, in between the moment that you wake up in the morning and you look at that first headline and your brain makes an interpretation and your interpretation then leads you to your behavior, there's, there's spaces happening in between all of those moments. And so in that, in that space, if we can pause and recognize we're in this loop, for example, recognize like I'm caught in this anxious loop of thoughts, emotions, and sensations right now, sometimes just naming it. Like I'm in this loop right now, helps the blood flow come back to the front of our brain, the more evolved part of our brain so that we can have a little bit of perspective. And now we're sitting in that space so we're not reacting anymore. And now, we're, now we have a little bit more choice and perspective. So one way of, of helping us widen that space, what we wanna do is recognize this space. Um, and by doing that, is I'm, I'm just in this loop right now. right? I'm, you're naming something. But in order, to, in order to increase the value of that space, that's where we want to start becoming more present to what's here. What's actually happening, the facts of the moment, what we know from, from ourselves, um, you know, which is my body's actually tensing right now, or I'm noticing a, an, a, an, a, uh, an urge to check more, um, to, to, you know, to soothe this thing, to eat more, to check more, to news more, to, you know, whatever, whatever your potentially bad habit might be, but more of that, um, and so, what you do is you notice your body in this fight, flight, freeze response, and you take a deep breath, and you soften your body for a moment. And, and what you're doing right there is you're widening that space between stimulus and response, so you can become more present, and and to the choices that are here. And when we step into that space between stimulus and response, soften our bodies, take a deep breath, we allow for the possibility to question, or to Ask ourselves what we're actually needing in that moment. It might not be that bag of potato chips. It might not be more news. It might not be. It might be that, like you know, look, I got kids, I got to take care of. I got work I have to do today, or I got a parent I need to take care of, or I have someone with COVID in my house. You know, we might say right now, I need to tend to them or make sure I'm being really clean, you know, and um, taking care of myself right now. This is really what I need right now. I could check that news, but I don't need to check it all the time. I don't need to give in to these obsessions, but the and the, but but we get we allow ourselves to make a different choice when we do step into that space between stimulus and response because there is more possibility and choice. Sometimes another way of saying that Tom is that space between stimulus and response is called a choice point. And so the question is, um, you know, can, where where do I recognize the choice points in my day to respond skillfully or to or just respond in ways that are Supporting what I need, or making contributions to the world, helping other people, whatever is going to be uh, helpful for you in that moment.
0: That's great. I I I, I like that. I and I'm, at the same time, I find like challenging. And I'm in a similar boat as you with everybody in the house, uh, three kids, similar ages, even. And so the stimuli are always here. Yeah. Um, You know, (laughs) I have this, I have this super cute six-year-old girl in my middle child who's like really challenging too. And and I am tired and cranky and I feel bad because I'm like getting mad at her and losing my cool with her because she's not doing her schoolwork. If I will, you know, but my house has never been a school before. So why should I (laughs) expect that, you know? And so anyway, I'm just like, that's my challenge is like how do I step out of it when it follows me around? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah you know
1: that's a really good point. I think a lot of people listening right now have a similar situation, not necessarily with their kids but are finding that they're in a constant there there's a constant state of stress that's you know kind of coming and going but more frequently than usual right now or maybe there's a constant underlying humming that's there of of anxiousness and stress or maybe like, Um, some, some like I'm on the edge of my seat to see what's coming next type of thing. Uh, you know, and so you're, you're basically your nervous system's on high alert. And what we know is that the first thing that flies out the window for all of us in times of heightened stress is our self-care. And, and that is absolutely paramount. And one thing, just to relate it back to what you said, Tom, one thing that is really critical with our self-care is to be incredibly um, uh, forgiving and compassionate with ourselves during this time because yes the worst can come out of us sometimes i mean the best can come out of us but the worst can come out of us when we're when stress is high cuz you don't have time to deal you're in a survival state you're if your daughter wants like that extra bag of pota- or doesn't want to adhere to the rules of the house or or whatever your structured rules are in your mind like you're um, your brain's gonna go the road most traveled. And so it's gonna go like straight to frustration or like clamping down because there's no time in our minds anyway. So time for this, you know, type of thing. And so-
0: It's like you're inside my head right now. Yeah, but so
1: these, (laughs) and so these, and so taking care of ourselves on a regular basis right now is absolutely paramount. And, you know, that's the priority right now. But if you don't take time to take care of yourself, uh, and then of course there's the common thing about your, you know, take your, take. your you take the oxygen mask before the other person does, right? Everyone's heard that metaphor. Everyone's heard it. But the question is, are you doing it? Because I will tell you, if you practice something, some way of taking care of yourself as a priority, you will get through this and be stronger on the other end of it. And so what that looks like for me, and it's something that's very simple, and this relates back to the whole stress loop or anxious loop that's there, is without even taking any time out of your day, Everyone always likes to hear that, right? Without even taking any time out of your day. Be on the lookout for when your body is tensing. So is it, and and, and then see if you can identify it. Does it tense at certain times of day? Does it tense in relationship to certain contexts of you being somewhere? Does it tense to, in relationship with certain people? And then, and then what you want to do is make a plan for yourself. So see if you can just identify that. No big deal, right? That doesn't take a lot of effort. And then see if you can um, be actively softening your body and taking a deep breath in those moments. Because then what you're doing is you're conditioning, meeting these, uh, meeting these difficult moments in a different way. In other words, you're no longer reacting from the stress loop anymore. Instead, what you're doing is you're uh, you're relating to it and choosing a different response. You're choosing something healthier in relationship to it. And when you practice and repeat something over time, what happens? Remember it. <laughs> you remember it becomes easier, right? You Great. condition those things together and then starts to become automatic, just like playing a piano or driving a car. It's called procedural memory. Your man, your, your mind is memorizing procedures. And this is probably one of the most transformative procedures you could you could memorize in your life is gaining control of your nervous system by even just this very simple thing of just softening your body, softening, relaxing, stretching your body where the tension is in the moments that you're noticing it tensing. And so those are just kind of some steps to, to do that.
0: You know, the other day when you and I were talking to prepare for this conversation, you shared with me something else I thought was really interesting. And you had talked about the idea that If we find ourselves reflecting on an event that had happened where we weren't too proud of our reactions, you know, maybe we lashed out at our partner or, um, you know, made a choice that we wish we would not have made, that something we can do to help ourselves in the future is to simply reflect on what an alternative choice might have been. And so I'm wondering if you can just explain to us like how that works and why that works.
1: Sure, our, 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 we, we, res- we respond to react in moments based on our memories. So what, what happens is like our brain sees and this is an easy way to describe this is our brain um, sees the computer in front of us or the phone in front of us and we don't have to think like, hey, what is this thing? Um, you know, we've been introduced to it. Our brain's memorized like what it is. It re- so we see it, it goes in through our eyes, goes back to our brain, our brain you know, does a little filing thing and, and says, Oh, I've seen a picture of this before. It's a, it's a phone. And, and we, all we see is like, we see it and we just know it's a phone. Right. So what we're trying to do in the scenario that you're doing is in other words, what you're saying is you don't need to be perfect at this thing, right? You can make mistakes. You can kind of, you know, act imperfectly with your kids, you know, at times that's going to happen. You can expect it. You can act, act imperfectly in your life, not always sticking to the best habits, you know, even the best intentions that you might have during this time or beyond this time. But what you can do is after you make an error or after you look back and say like, "Mm, oh, I could have done that a little differently. Or you notice the way you know that is you feel a little guilty or you have a regret. And regrets and guilt aren't bad things. Unless the guilt's unfounded, of course, meaning like you didn't actually harm anybody or do anything bad, you're just feeling kind of guilty because you have some kind of Jewish or Catholic guilt or something like that, right? Uh, but but in this in these types of cases, uh, you could look back onto the moment and bring it back to your mind. Let's say a moment, and uh, and you replay it in your mind. But instead, in this replay, you're imagining yourself doing what you thought might have been more skillful. Like uh, instead of yelling at my kid, um, instead I I noticed the stress rising in my body, my thermometer rising, and I was able to do what we were talking about before, which is kind of soften my body, take a deep breath. And let them know, like you know, what my thermometer is getting really high. I need to take a little break right now. And you go take a break, and then you then you re, then you meet the situation differently. Or maybe you see that your kid in that scenario, you see that your kid is also a little bit dysregulated, really just wants your attention in that moment, um, and wants to share a story with you. And so you're able to kind of soften and respond to them and say, like, I really want to hear this story. I know this is so important to you. You know, right now I just have finished cooking dinner, and then you know. Um, and then and then we are going to do it right afterwards we're going to really or something like that whatever right cuz what you're doing and as you're reflecting back on that is you're creating a new memory you, just by visualizing you're creating a new memory so but you're creating a context dependent memory And, you know, uh, and and our memories are, you know, based on, you know, a lot of them are based on context so that we can like remember. I think I might share with you in a separate conversation that the reason for that is from an evolutionary perspective, we needed to remember where we stored our food underneath that tree. You know, there was no signs back then, you know, no street signs or anything. And so we needed to remember it's by that tree that had the sunshine behind whatever. And so our memories are based on that. So we create a new conditioned memory. And then the next time that happens, if we do that with some level of practice and repetition, we create more memory, our brain will reach back in that moment. And there might be a moment that slips in between that space between stimulus and response that says, oh, here's another option, Tom. You know, like, hey, you know, like, whoop, oh, member." And then what, what, what you might notice is just an awareness of your body tensing. And you taking a moment to soften it. That's kind of what you noticed. But your brain, the way that worked was your brain saw that memory that you that you created with that reflection. It reached back and said, like, here's another option. Try this, you know. And so then then you're able to retrieve that and and take action with it. You'll be more likely. You're more likely to be able to do that. You increase the probability of it.
0: Yeah, I find that that's that's fascinating. Um so earlier when I talked to you, you mentioned um we, we talked about the idea that we're at risk right now, that a lot of people um, who have never battled with depression def- before are um, all of a sudden going to find themselves, you know, actually struggling with it or anxiety. Um, so what are some of the signs we should look for that tell us um, this is shifting from just being really stressful to being a more serious condition? And then uh, what should I do about that?
1: Yeah, I do. I do believe that there's going to be an increasing mental health crisis as a result of this, people losing their jobs, um, you know, people feeling increasingly self-isolated. I was talking with someone the other day and I'm like, well, how many people are and this might be you listening on the other on the other side of this, but how many people right now are um, quarantined and they are they live alone? And um, and so for how long can we, you know, can we do that? And so we need social connection to thrive we're a we're a, a species that thrives on connection and connections at the epicenter for well-being and so as that as the connection deteriorates a little bit with some of the people who might be your closest people um, or you, you weakens a little bit because you're not seeing them in person you're not getting the hugs you're not getting the the physical connection or the um or the you know in-person connection virtual connection's good better than nothing right and yet the the physical connection so important then we might notice that the mind starts going into. You might notice yourself be feeling a little bit more unbalanced. Or for me, what I noticed, as an example, the like a, a handful of days ago, was I started noticing myself feeling a little down and realizing that really what was there underneath that was this grief. Like this loss of these connections that I have. Like I'm missing my sister and I'm missing my dad and and I can't see my any, any of them right now because. You know, for the, aside from the quarantine that's here, um, you know, they're, my mom and my dad are both older and they're, you know, high risk. And so certainly can't expose them. And um, and I noticed that there was this grief there. So what I did in that moment, it's very similar to the anxious loop. So we, we're going to, we're going we're gonna to like tie a theme in here to make it really simple. So everyone kind of, you can leave here today saying like, oh, okay, I get it. I get like a couple of things I can really do. And they're it's super practical. Yeah, it's super practical. And the first thing you wanna do with anything is name it. Like no reason to pull the wool over our eyes or try to think something's different, just name it. It's so simple, like in that way, So like what's happening right now? For me, it was grief. And so I said, wow, there's, there's grief here. I'm feeling kind of down. So that means I'm imbalanced in that moment. I mean, just to, just to say, meaning like there's something that, need, that I'm needing in that moment. Usually when you're feeling uncomfortable emotions, it's usually because you're needing something. You know, and so what I was needing is more connection and to talk with someone about it. And um, and so for me, I'm, I'm fortunate I have a wife that I can I can talk to about it, um, who I lives in the same house with me. But I also realized I really needed to make more contact with my sister and I needed to make more contact with my dad. And I needed to make I needed to I needed to be active in making those contacts, maybe more than I'm used to being active in doing that. And as I started making more of those contexts, I started Well, as I started naming it, it started to feel a little better But as I started making more of those contexts, it started um, Feeling, you know a little better uh, Yeah
0: Right, you know, so there's the, the Those of us that might um, find ourselves starting to feel feelings we hadn't felt before But there's also a whole lot of people who were already struggling before any of this started, you know, and so you know, this feels like a big pile on, you know, so what's your, it is. And so what's your advice for, for people, for these people?
1: The first thing is to, to recognize that you're, you're likely in a loop, right? You're sliding into a loop, um, again, called whatever your loop is, an anxious loop, a depression loop. It's the same thing, thoughts, emotions, sensations, behaviors. So the first thing is to really name that. And, and, and the second thing is to understand that it's, it's temporary. It's never lasted um, you know, exactly the same way in your life before. And it's not gonna last in the exact same way this time either. There may have been, an, for some people, there might be an underlying constant hum of a certain feeling that they felt like their whole life. Um, but if you look at the surface, if you look, if you go a little higher up, you'll notice that there's waves of this stuff that are here and right now is a wave. So it's temporary. Um, and And the third thing, that is important. Is I'll I'll, I'll meet. I'll, I'll create an intermediate kind of step here, which is to recognize that you're not alone in this. Um, a lot of people are feeling heightened stress, anxiety, or people have had PTSD or feeling retriggered. You know, right now, and a lot of people are feeling kind of depressed at the state of things right now with a with a level of uncertainty. You know, in front of us. Um, So it's important to to recognize that you're not alone in that. And the the next thing to ask yourself is, while this is here, what am I needing right now? Like, in other words, like, you're not well. Like, you don't have, you may or may not have COVID, but you're not well um, right now. Uh, If you're feeling like you're sliding into more anxious or depressive states right now, and that's okay that's okay to recognize, it's kind of like the flu, like you're not well. So the question is like, what am, I, what am I needing right now? And then if your brain starts going to like, well, I'm needing to be with people and hug them and I'm needing to get to my friend. So then the question is like, well, what am I needing under the, under the, under the columns of what I can control and what I can do? So wherever our focus goes, we tend to, it tends to follow with a certain energy that's there, a certain emotion. That emotion tends to influence our focus. And what we tend to do when we're in heightened times of stress or anxiety or, you know, like also like when we're feeling anxious or start to feel depressed, which is all fueled by stress, we tend to immediately focus on on what we can't control and what we can't do. What's stopping? That's why, you know, immediately, um, you know, when this first thing started happening, I put up a, a meme on it, my Instagram and said, you know, here's what's not stopping you know, and I started, you know, hey, you know, communications with your friends is not stopping and the sunshine's not stopping and like, you know, or whatever's not stopping, a whole bunch of things are not stopping. So it's important to realize that we do have the ability to shift our focus, um, not to put on rose-colored glasses, but to just to put an and between that, right? And, and if you really wanted to play with making it powerful, you can cite all the negative stuff that's happening in your life right now, and then say, but... And then cite the things that are also still going on that you find that you're appreciative of or that you can do or that, you know, this type of thing. That's like an, an interesting linguistic way to kind of play with, you know, your mind in that way. So the question is, what do I need right now? Being able to focus on what you can do and what you can control. Um, and then the last thing that I'd say, which is so important, and is probably to me the clinch pin of this entire thing. And I think, I'm hoping will be a really positive outcome of this whole coronavirus um, situation, global situation, is to recognize that there are people out there who are nourishing and supportive and even inspiring who you may have within your network that you will want to make more frequent connections with during this time. That could be texting, FaceTime, email, whatever you want to do, Zoom it. And there may there are people who are also supportive, nourishing and inspiring who you may not know yet who are out there and can support you. And there are uh numerous and this this may be foreign to your past way of living, but there are numerous virtual uh spaces that these people are collecting around and you may be able to dip into them and have more frequent communications with them and that is part of your mental health prescription right now is to make more more regular and frequent contact with people who are nourishing supportive and inspiring to you because that again we are the foundation of our well-being is connection and so if you can go straight to the heart of that and say, I mean, that's why AA and NA, these things are, are so powerful for a lot of people to, to kind of be able to move from a state of like heavy addiction um, because the, the, the contact with people, especially when people find the right groups, uplifts them and they feel safe there and protected. And all of a sudden that connection helps them feel better in a lot of ways. Um, and when you feel better, you tend to be more resilient. That's great.
0: Um, well, I, I hope that people are finding this uh, nourishing. (laughs) Um, it, it is for me and, um, Elijah, it's really a a feature of every one of these podcasts we are creating. We want to make sure we are a learning organization. We want to make sure that we're always giving somebody, um, a way to put into practice, something, something small to start moving toward better. And so I'm wondering if you can give us all something simple we can try to more quickly like find that place between stimulus and response that we talked about, like a tool or a practice um, that we can maybe just uh, take advantage of to maybe to soothe our own nervous system, as you say, <laughs> uh, and uh, as, a, as a kind of a takeaway for everybody.
1: So simple. We'll just, I'll just, in, in some in some ways, what we'll do is we'll just collect some of the the nuggets that we've said, you know, here, which is... Be on the lookout in your day for when your body is tensing or bracing, right? And, and oftentimes, people don't remember that their face is part of their body, but your face is also part of your body and that may you might feel tension or bracing in your, in your cheeks or your forehead um, or behind your eyes, you know, um, but be on the lookout of your shoulders or your arms or your hands or whatever. Be on the lookout. And then in, that, in those moments, soften your actual body, like soften your actual muscles. Some people say, well, what does that mean, soften? Well, I mean, actually, like literally relax your muscles. And, and some people say, well, I can't relax my muscle in that moment. Um, it's just too tense. And so then there's an opportunity to just stretch that muscle. It's just you don't have to like do a 30-minute yoga session in that moment in that moment. Just literally like put your arm over your across your chest and open up your back, open up your shoulder muscles or like massage your face for a second. Take a deep breath and bring your breath into that area of your body and expand that area. If it's your chest as an example, your stomach. Like and so just that's the simplest thing. Then on the exhalation, just in your mind, just say release say release it's almost like you're blowing that out not that that means that it'll all of a sudden release but we're talking about practice and repetition over time makes things automatic right so the key to this is is recognizing that um it's a practice and just like learning to play piano or driving a car or, or doing anything it's practice and repetition that's what layers it in so don't worry about the immediate outcome can be more concerned about the practice and repetition with that, you know, for a bonus, as I mentioned earlier, if you want to like pay attention to where you feel like these are happening most often for you, like in conversations with certain people, certain areas of your house or whatever that might be, you know, that, that will kind of highlight to you, like where you can be prepared to do this type of thing. Um, so that's like the super simple thing. And, and one thing you can just do is just name it to begin with. I'm in the loop right now. Just say I'm in the loop. I'm in the stress loop. I'm in the anxious loop. I'm in, I'm in the loop. Right, and then just see where am I bracing in my body, and see if you can soften or open up or, or stretch. Um, you know, that's the simplest. That's the simplest thing, to do. If anyone's interested in like a, a next step, um, the next step is to ask yourself like, what am I needing right now? Like, is there something I'm needing? Like with me, with my grief, I needed connection. Um, and I needed to like actively put that more in my life than, I, than I'm used to doing because it's like coming maybe in my life. I'm just, I'm in the river, right? I'm in the stream where now I have to be more intentional and active with it. Um, and that's been helpful. But for you, you might need to go get some sunshine on your face. You might need to take a walk. You might need to you know, go get some space. You might need to nourish yourself because maybe you haven't eaten all day. Um, you know, maybe that's the issue. You know, what am I actually needing right now? Physically, emotionally. it could be any of those things. So that's like just a second, a second level to that. Um, And then on the third level, um, I would just say, be aware of the people you're making your most frequent contacts with. Ask yourself the question, are these people nourishing, supportive and or inspiring to me? Um, You know, and how can I make more frequent contact with people that are nourishing, supportive and or inspiring to me um, either within my network or outside of my network? Um, And that, the the whole reason I created this Mindful Living Collective is because that's where these people are all collecting. And so we can find them all there, you know, in, in one space, but you may already have those people in your network. And that just means you just need to make more active, frequent connections with
0: them. All right. Well, thanks, Elijah. And that uh, I think that brings us to our close. So. I want to thank you, Elijah, for sharing your wisdom and advice with us today. And before I let you go, um, maybe you could just tell us again about this uh, initiative you have going on with the Mindful Living Collective to make it kind of available to everybody.
1: Yeah. So we just just because of because of what what's happening right now, there's a, there's a greater need for people to be able to drop in and learn and connect with each other. And so. Um, this mindful living collective has a you know full training library in there that you know has short things that people can connect into to learn how to use, let's say, mindfulness or things like that to help them with their anxiety or their stress or learn how to work with negative thoughts, you know a variety of things like that, um, has a whole stream of meditations in there. But to me, for what's happening right now, um, what's most interesting is these uh, mindful living circles that we're creating, which are going to start out. Uh, Which are starting out right now and are going to proliferate to be able to drop in connect and share um, With you know a handful of people in a a way that's going to give you more of a quality Connection that's not usual in everyday life, which when your nervous system takes in that quality of connection um, That's incredibly nourishing and supportive and will help Help support you with more resiliency through the rest of your day and your week And we're looking to have these kind of going like daily
0: That's such an amazing thing you're doing, Elijah. And thanks again for joining us today. And thank you all for listening. Look, I know what we all want. We all just want to get back to normal. But I think we have to accept that normal, that's over. And while that's hard to hear, if you really think about it, for a lot of us, normal wasn't working in the first place. Normal was stressing us out. Normal was making us sad. Normal was making us sick, tired, bored. I think we can do way better than normal. If this whole thing was going to be worth it, we have to get beyond normal. Beyond Normal is a production of The Big No, where renowned experts teach the skills of health and well-being on demand. You can learn more about our licensable and custom health content solutions at thebigno.com. That's the big K-N-O-W. .com My name's Tom Godfrey.
1: Goodbye.